Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. There wasn't much that didn't go right for Marcus Bontempelli in 2023. From an individual perspective, that is. It wasn't a great year for the Bulldogs. But individually, he was supreme across all fantasy formats. And if it wasn't for one three votes on Brownlow night, we'd be talking about the 2023 Brownlow medalist. But at number 11 in my 50 most relevant, Marcus Bontempelli. Has this Western Bulldog great got another gear to go? Can he repeat such a successful 2023 coming into 2024? Or is he heading for regression? We're going to talk about that today on the episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Hey, my name's MJ. Thank you so much for coming back to another episode of this series, the 50 Most Relevant. We're across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy. I put out 50 players in a ranked order that's a subjective list, politely, of who I think are the most important and relevant players to have a fantasy football conversation about for the upcoming fantasy footy season. Right throughout this series, we love talking to not just members of the coaches panel, but some of my favorite collaborators and content creators in the fantasy footy community. One of them, been a longtime fan and friend of this guy. If you listen to the guys at Dr. Supercoach, you know this guy's voice. You know he's got some great opinions, so not just in Supercoach, but on fantasy football in general. Cheezo. Nice to have you back on the 50 Most Relevant. It's been a minute since we've chatted to you, and the Bont's a fascinating player to talk about. He is, but I've got something, a bone to pick with you first, MJ. Um, I'm usually the Essendon man that gets, you know, like the Parish or the Ridley, and I'm just wondering, last time I put us on to uh, an Essendon player, then I didn't hear from you, just my DMs went completely silent. For, for three years, is there, there any truth to the rumour that I led people astray and uh, I'd been asked not to come back? I think it might have been because you told us to go to Jordan Ridley and that has never <laughs> gone well for any of us. <laughs> it went well for about eight weeks a few years ago and that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You went to content creator purgatory for a good 36 months, <laughs> but now we've got you back on. So I'm on it, parole and it's great to be out. Yeah, that's right. You, we've got the... You know, the leash on you, so we'll see how we go, mate. Otherwise, it'll be pistol. All right, so just watch yourself. <laughs> um, but no, Bont's, Bont's an interesting guy to look at. If we take a look at his 2023 data for a moment, a seasonal average last year in Supercoach of 129.6 means he's a part of the exclusive club where you are paying well north of 700000 to own him. Yeah, just a decent number of tonnes last year, just the 22, so... That wasn't a stutter, 22 tons, a seasonal high of 182 and a career high score of 199. So he is so close to being part of that 200 club. While over in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he's going to set you back well north of a million dollars in those two formats. 18 Ooh. tons last year and 116.9 was a season and career high average. And he came in with a season and career high top score for us last year of 158. Cheezo, I don't think anybody's surprised to see Marcus Bontempelli's name this high in the 50 most relevant. Arguably, some were thinking he should be top 10. But it finally all came together for him last year after a, a number of different variables, which we'll talk about through this episode in a moment, that kind of all landed perfectly for us. 
finally, who I think is the greatest Western Bulldog of all time already in his career, just put it all together for us. This beautiful footballer uses the ball well, tough on the inside, classy and skilled on the outside, takes that challenging overhead marks, wins the ball on ground, tackles and does the hard stuff. This is arguably the best midfielder in football going around right now. Uh, I don't think there'd be many people that would be arguing with you, MJ. Like literally every preseason, I go through my notepad and write a few notes. This is the the line that I put down for for Bont last year going into the preseason. Role is an important factor. Your guess is as good as mine as to whether there's a Brownlow winning 28 touch average, 125 plus super coach Bont and Pelly in this universe. And it turned out that 2023 was the universe that contained that Bontempelli. He only subtunned in Supercoach once last year for an 89 in round three against Brisbane. He is the complete player. And I guess the only reason that he's not higher up in the 50 most relevant MJ is literally because of his price across the formats. Because even in AF, DT, he's still a phenomenal pick. He's so good. You talk about this super coach year of just literally under half a point per game away from hitting that 130 mark. And we haven't seen players like that. I think it might've been Max Gorn back in 2020 might've been yeah. the last time a player was that high. 15 of those 22 tons were over 120. So that's your captaincy consideration. And then there's seven over 140, four over 160. And then that season high 182, you put the VC or the C on them in those weeks. Those are rankings moving weeks. Those are league winning weeks. First for total points, first for ranks. And you mentioned already the fact one game under 90 all year and one game under 100, it's an 89. If that's the one bad game you have for the year, you're going okay. <laughs> AFL fantasy, not quite as strong and prolific, but still as dominant. An average of 116.9, 18 tons, eight over 120. He was knocked for not having enough frequency of ceiling. He's done that for us now. Four over 140, two over 150, and nothing under 86. And comes ranked only behind Tim English for total points and for averages. It's a phenomenal jump. Chizo, he's always been a super coach beast. Three years prior, he's gone 116 plus. For AFL fantasy and dream team coaches, it's the the teasing of five and 10 week stretches. We finally got over a season. That 13 mm. to 15 point jump per game. You watch football as closely as anybody that I know. From your perspective, was it just as simple as release to the mids, a structural forward line that many didn't have to go forward and that was enough of why he finally went into full fantasy footy beast mode for us. I think it's a big, uh, a big reason why. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about whether you know CBA percentage equals fantasy points, and there is some correlation. But I, I think there's been a few numbers thrown out there that not everyone that gets above an X amount of CBA percentage is going to score tons. For certain players, though, being around the ball more certainly helps. So he averaged 75% CBAs in 2020 to 2021 across those two seasons. In 2022, that dropped to just 58 with a few injuries. I think maybe it was um, Josh Bruce did his knee or something like that. Um, but now that they've got uh, they got Lob, they've had Sam Darcy, Hugo Hagen is now developing more. He's no longer required as that additional tool up forward we saw last year his um his cbas go above that previous 75 average into somewhere around the low 80 mark so um he is finally getting that role that we thought 
he would have very early on in his career. Um, and when you've got a player of Bontempelli's stature, you put him around the ball and he's just going to score points. I, I guess uh, the, the one consideration that jumps out to me is that he's got a, a lower season high average of possessions. Uh, I think it was 27, high, uh, high 27 average in 2023. It's still lower than Oliver's career average, which I find absolutely ridiculous that yet he's still on that precipice of being a 130 average in Supercoach. Um, so he is probably a little bit more susceptible to fluctuations if that role does change, but there's nothing that I can see that is indicating he is going to be anything other than a CBA mid um, coming into 2024 as well. And it, he just looks like another stunning pick. It was just two years ago, he averaged 27 possessions per game, which is basically maybe what 0.7 more than what he did this year just gone. So mm. tackles is probably the biggest notable indicator. And then, as you mentioned, the freedom for him to finally not just have to help the team out by going forward and being a marking target and a presence because that forward line structurally was very fluid. Now they know what they are. It might not function the way they like all the time, but they know what they are with the players they have. So as we turn the corner to 2024, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time diving into the retrospective past. We know that he was all but robbed in many people's eyes of a Brownlow medal <laughs> season. Um, we know that he was career high across the formats in almost every single metric that we in the fantasy football community look to. And it's with that mindset, we look at this price tag of the most expensive midfielder in the game and in Supercoach, the most expensive player in the game. And as a community, we look at players like that and the evolving thought has been players that are at quote unquote peak price point that they will not get up to this again, whether it be the historical normative that players don't repeat season highs like that, whether it be the narrative of I'm hunting value and it doesn't happen to get there, or just you're playing the magic number game of for you to be able to hold your value. It's the start of the season. The magic number is at its highest. And if you don't outperform your average, we're going to see a regression in your price. And therefore we will get you at some level of cheaper price what's your thoughts i know i've just given you the word vomiter of thoughts there but what's your initial reflections on that before we look at starting keeping things like that have we got too over infatuated with value and upside and magic numbers or is this just the evolution of fantasy football that we understand the game a little bit more I think it's a good point that you bring up, um, particularly around the magic number being at its highest at the beginning of the year. In all likelihood, Bont will get cheaper. Like Even if he, he starts the season on fire, the way that it works and the way that the, the pricing changes occur, he is likely to, to reduce price even if he does have an amazing start to the year. The question that I always have about these top-level blokes is – how good are they going to be as a captaincy option? So obviously he's got that that perma-captaincy armband that we can give to him. Another positive is that unlike, say, Oliver or Dacos that we've looked at as captaincy potential, even Petrarca, the, he doesn't have an early buy. So that's an, a, another amazing thing. So when we're looking at trying to penny pinch and say, I'm going to get, say, Bont later, you really have to ask yourself, exactly how much cheaper do I think that he's going to become as the year goes on? And I think the answer is we need something uncharacteristic from him based on the last year worth of performance 
that's going to tank his price because I don't think that getting someone for say 650k is such an amazing steal that you shouldn't have started with them and had all of those opportunities to have a captaincy and no buy. Like uh, I think they they outweigh. Additionally to that, I think the way that the game, particularly in Supercoach, is going, following along with the AFL fantasy model of having a lot more trades, we can also get sucked into chasing value entirely across the field and forgetting about having these types of players that, have that sleep at night factor. There's something that I always talk about is if you don't, if you're going into a super coach Sunday, as I like to call it, it's an absolute nightmare. If you haven't hit your VC and you don't have any solid captaincy options with Bontempelli, you have that sleep at night factor, that safety blanket, as you would say, MJ, that you can literally just go VC failed, whack it on Bont. I can sleep easy tonight because he's a really safe selection and, that's something that you have to grapple with maybe saving 60K. So I, I I can see both sides of the argument. It really comes down to what type of player you are and how you're planning on utilizing those trades. I'm certainly firmly on the fence that I would like to have at least one or two of these players to begin with. And Bont is a great example of that safety factor. At some point in the early rounds of this season, two things are going to happen for you. One, there's going to be an unexpected fire within your side. That can come in the in the case <laughs> of an injury, yep. a, a suspension, a, a concussion that you didn't predict, a dramatic role change that you get bevoed in your own super coach and fantasy football side and you find yourself going, now I've got to deal with this. At the same point, there's going to be a cash cow you either missed or or a breakout guy that is de- delivering significant value based on price point that you're going to want to ride for a three to five week stretch, depending on the formats and how you choose to attack the trading game. What Bontempelli gives you alongside that security blanket from a captaincy perspective is it gives you one spot in your midfield where you go, I don't have to think about it. Outside of the unicorn game where, you know, Rory Laird of round one last year, for example, where you go for no unbeknownst reason, we get a 50 or a 60. (laughs) Outside of that, you go, I've got it. I'm stashing it. I'm not worried about the dollars. I'm not going to trade off him. I'm just going to hold it. And this allows me to now deal with spot fires, change upgrade elsewhere, move. It gives me that anchor in my side. And while there's no upside financially within him, I totally agree with that. That's not the motivation for picking him. But in Supercoach Chizo, there is a world where he might not drop much money at all. That's the really scary thing is you mentioned how good his scoring's been. Okay, well, we all want to get Bont cheaper. Yeah, we'll get him cheaper. Dacos is growing in popularity, not just in ownership, but equally in people jumping off going, tags, buys, I'm jumping off. I'll I'll get him a little bit later. They look at a Tim English concussion or head knock concerns. I'll get him later. How many of these guys are we hoping to get later and hoping to get cheaper? I know we've got more trades than ever before. We've got boosts in Supercoach and Drain Team, but... There's only so long we can kick the can down the road before the can becomes our fantasy football season. <laughs> I'm really hoping that's not my season this year. <laughs> but you're, you're absolutely right. And the the one thing that 
I think that I'm seeing a lot of people, I've had a few, a few chats about this recently is that people sort of see these players as I don't want to pay this much for someone that I know is going to drop in price. I think that's the wrong way to look about it. I like to look at these premium guys as sort of like an asset that once you acquire them and have them in your team, it doesn't really matter what their price fluctuations and stuff are. It really ends up being because you own that, um, that asset and that's just going to keep bringing you rewards as the, as the year goes on. So um, that kind of leads into the next kind of point that I want to make um, MJ is that, we always have these, oh, I'm going to pick this guy up at X week, and it really never works out that way. And so even when they drop bottom and price in round eight, suddenly you don't have the cash because, as you said, you're fixing another spot fire, and then they go up 40K while you're trying to get them. And suddenly the the discount you got isn't all that great, and you, you're kind of looking back going, yeah, I have been kicking the can down the road. And while I've been trying to, to aim to get Bont in such and such a week, I've ended up it, it happens every year. We don't buy the expensive guys when they bottom out. We we get we try and get two premiums for the price of one and make our money just go that little bit further and Bont's going to be the final upgrade and then you just completely miss out on him. Um and, and particularly in Supercoach like you say there's every chance that he just doesn't drop low enough for you to get anywhere near picking him up in the the high 600k range. So um yeah, I, I really don't have much more to say on that uh, the uh, MJ so if you look at the first six weeks of the year, one of the attractions to Marcus Bontempelli is that he's one of those consistent historical guys. We feel certainly off the back of the past 12 months, we could put the VCLC and across the formats every single week in every matchup. Mm. And the Bulldogs statistically do have one of the better matchups for inside midfielders over that six weeks. And when we're starting a premium, we're wanting ceiling early days. Uh, some are approaching these early buy rounds with, I'm going to spread the load with my dollars and I'm going to get as many cows off the field and I'm going to try to make a little bit of money on a lot of people and eliminate low scoring. Others are approaching it more with another approach, which is I'm getting as many ceiling options as I can and allowing these poor rookie scores to fall off. I think both approaches are interesting and we'll ultimately know at the end of the season what's the true narrative. But over the first six weeks, what does it look like for Marcus Bontempelli? Well, I've gone and looked at who he plays and what his last three averages are against the rolled up. So his last three games of averages. This is what he's got in AFL fantasy over the first six weeks. The D's, an average of 108. The Suns, an average of 121.6. The Eagles, an average of 112.3. The Cats, an average of 106.3. The Dons, an average of 105. I had to get your boys in there, mate. And the Suns, <laughs> an average of 123.3. So you're rolling that up. He's around that 110 sort of marker, maybe about five points per game of regression. Okay, maybe not a, yes, I have to go get him, but a couple of games through there are really tasty. So maybe an AFL fantasy and dream team, you hear that six weeks and go, yeah, good run. He's got some good ceilings. There's a couple of sub hundreds and sub 80 games in there. Yeah. Okay. Maybe not interested. Sure. I'll hear that. Let's talk about super coach for a minute. Shall we? How does he go in his last three games against these teams? 124.3 in his last three against the demons. 129 in his last three against the Suns. 134.3 in his last three against the Eagles. 
119 in his last three against the Cats. Just so you know, that's the worst of them. A 121.3 against the Bombers. And then the juiciest matchup of all against the Saints, 155. He's up in that 125, 130 marker. And as you mentioned, Chizo, if he starts strong, the teams are there. The fixture is there. The, the role is not changing. Bailey Smith out injured. Bevo doing things to McRae. There is two constants in that midfield this year. It is Liberatore and is Bontempelli. And if you go against him, you're doing it for value, but you might not get that much of it, as you mentioned. And throw into the mix, Chizo. He's missed one game of football in five years. Oh, his durability is phenomenal, hey? Absolutely ridiculous. The, the the one thing that I would mention uh, on top of those three round averages is yes, more more numbers is like more data is better, but you got to remember that a lot of those teams he's only playing once last year, most likely, and so those three game sample size are going to be over a number of seasons, which included when he didn't currently have the role. Correct. So, so is there some sort of discount? in the reduction that we get on what he might score. I know you said he might have a, a five point reduction in terms of like his, his DTAF kind of score, but really if we, we're looking at this role, which I, I I've had people say that James Harms is going to impact. I think the, he is, if anything, just going to take the, the, the Bailey Smith minutes in terms of um, midfield, who he was rotating with Jack McRae last year. So um, that's, that's an answer that seems to uh, appear to Bevo instantaneously. Um, I, I just can't see any reason why it would be different to last year. So is there a heavier weighting as to his performance last year? I'm not sure. I mean, um, <laughs> just there's there's not a whole lot more I can say about him because oh, the, I'm going to end up confirmation biasing myself straight into picking him. <laughs> in, in Supercoach, it's really hard to see a world where he falls away to anything less than 116, which he's done the three seasons prior. And if that's the worst case scenario, yeah, you're probably paying 100,000 more for him than you'd like to, but you're getting a guy that is the safest 115 plus guy in Supercoach. So to me in Supercoach, the question is in this format, if you're not starting him, what's your pathway to getting him? And how quickly are you going to correct it? And when it comes to the value of Dacos off the buys, when it comes to an English, does he slow? You can only prioritize so many. So how's your pathway to get there? Because the longer you go into super coach season without Bond, you're needing the variability of him breaking trend of the last, not just 12 months, but four years, which is one of the best mids we've got. Yeah, and, and what's his downside? I think it was like 2019 or something like that. He averaged, was the, the last year, he didn't average mid-115s. Yeah, in 114 is his lowest since the 20th. It's like where he, his downside is like so minimal. And if you're not starting him, you're sort of making the decision that, hey, I'm going to go at least 50% of this entire season without the guy that's probably scoring the most points. For so it. it yeah, it's uh, to save yourself a hundred thousand dollars. It's it's a tough one, tough one to get my head around. Yeah, that that balance of looking for financial return and upside and balancing our salary cap and our and our squad value important. But at some point in the year, 
these are the sort of players that you're trading into. So when do you do that? AFL fantasy, two trades a week, use it or lose it. That pathway can be a little bit easier sometimes. We do have more trades in Supercoach, but still at some point we're going to want to get to these guys. And so when in Supercoach is the question, not if. In AFL fantasy, I'll actually hear a conversation that you don't start him, not just for the value side, but because you think you can find other options that are comparable to him that are 50,000, 100,000, 150,000 cheaper. And I think in AFL fantasy, I feel a little bit more confident that you can build that narrative and go, man, I'll drop 50K and I'll get a hundred K and I'll get myself a lead. I'll get myself a brayshaw. I'll, I'll drop a little bit further down. And if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll just bullet a mid pricer and, and I'll chuck it on top of my LDU or my butters or whoever it is. So in that format, I'm a little bit more comfortable. Same with dream team to go. I'll get to that. But super coach is the one you've got five years of one ten plus it's when not if, and sometimes the approach is just take your medicine Okay, I've lost 100K, but I've got him. Yeah. And a lot of these things I'm saying, MJ, are in isolation. We're talking about of course. this one guy without any perspective of what the rest of the team looks like. And team makeup is going to be huge. I absolutely get that. What I'm coming from is just that that isolation of this one guy is saving 50 grand, going to make or break your season. Um, you'll find that as we get close to opening round or round one, as I should say, for 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 most formats. So um, it's not it's not like I'm I'm sitting on this side of the fence saying why is not 100% of teams picking Bonds and Pellet. It's not that at all. It's just that if we're assessing this player right now, and you're trying to ask me to find a, a negative to him, maybe the negative is he's at his ceiling. We've waited for that season for him to hit his for peak, sure. and there's no more. Maybe that is the negative. There's no increase but the for me to sit here and say that he's a bad selection and to try and poke holes in him it's really really difficult for me to do yeah the the way you invest your dollars is ultimately the conversation that talks you away from bontempelli and the compounding well that 50k allows me to do x this 100k allows me to do y okay now you're thinking about it in a totality, as Chizo said, not just in an isolation of, I'll get him 100K cheaper. Let's open up our minds to what it does with all 30 spots, not just player for player, pound for pound. Because if that's all you're doing, that's where your argument's going to fall over. You need that whole rounded perspective. I think in Supercoach, the quicker you can have Bont, the better. And if that means for you, you've done as Chizo's kind of mentioned, you know what, I'm just going to sleep a little bit easier on super coach Sunday, knowing I've got him. I don't have to worry. Awesome. That's a perfectly valid approach. Everyone plays the game differently. Everyone has a different level of risk aversion. Equally, there are those that go, I reckon I can nail it. The timing, the price. I, I, I like to be aggressive with my trades. I've got more than ever before. I don't want to do this. I, I reckon I can make it work. Go with God and go with that. You've got to play these games your way. Ultimately, these are trading games. And trading into Bont is a valid strategy. Equally, holding Bont and trading around him is a valid strategy. This will not probably define your season. Barring something drastically, catastrophically going pear-shaped for Bont, it's not a season-defining decision. But the compounding things around it might be the things that do that. Before we wrap up the episode, Chizo, we love to always talk about what it means on draft day. No doubt he's an M1. Is he the number one overall pick? 
And is he the first midfielder off the board? Those are the two questions I think a lot of people are considering. I think you're answering those questions straight off the bat. I think he definitely M1. I think he's probably, I think he's definitely the first midfielder off the, uh, off the draft board in terms of super coach. Um, AF might be a little bit different. He might go a little bit later in the first round, but he's in definitely in the first handful of selections and nearly every super coach draft that anyone knows half of it, uh, <laughs> anything about. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't see how you get into picks three, four, and five and, and Bont's not gone. Precisely. Not, seriously gone. Super coach, safest houses. AFL fantasy, you're just going, I'm just going to take it. And that's fine. And sometimes if you don't like a bond there, that's where you hope to be on the turn at the back end where you let the draft come to you a little bit. Maybe that's where you look at the rucks. If you're not bullish on bond being the number one midfielder, that's where you can think. But I, I think the consensus wrap it up ADP will be first mid off the board. And there's one thing we're overlooking when it comes to draft and bond. It's all those sweet, sweet DMs as someone who owns draft uh, owns bond in a keeper league. Ah, just the just the taste of those DMs flooding in during trade week is phenomenal. I absolutely love it. So never overlook that either. Oh, mate, I've loved talking to you about uh, Bonds and Pelly. You're part of the Dr. Supercoach team. Where can we find you on social media? And how can if we've either just kind of lapsed connecting with Dr. Supercoach, or maybe it's the first time they've even heard of you, where can they hear some of the great content that you and the guys are putting together for us this preseason? Well, you can find the main page at, at Dr. Underscore SC on Twitter. You can find me at, at Chizu underscore DRSC. And you can find all of our, uh, our Patreon work over at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Supercoach, where we have a lot of preseason uh, episodes and things coming out in the very near future. And MJ, I just got to say, it's a fantastic to be back on the 50 most relevant. I said to you pre-podcast that I used to listen to this before I started podcasting and Geez, that's a long time ago now, mate. So I'm glad these are, are, are still going and that I get to be part of it. It's been phenomenal. Thank you. No, mate. It, it, like I said, you, you're one of my favorite people to hang out with and spend time with in the fantasy footy community. If you missed any of those links uh, that Chizo mentioned about where you can get in touch with their Patreon, and seriously, it makes a huge difference to, to content creators when you jump in and you support them through their Patreon. So please make sure you do that. All the links of where you can get in touch with them across social media and the Patreon, we've put it in the description of this episode. If you're loving the series of the 50 most relevant, good news, there's an article on every single player we've done so far over at coachespanel.tv. And maybe you're just a part of the Dr. Supercoach community. Like who the heck is the coaches panel? There's like 40 episodes just like this that you can go back and check out the audio podcasts or the video episodes that are out on YouTube. So if you just discovered us, subscribe over on wherever you're listening to us. We are there and leave a five-star rating. And on YouTube, get those subscriptions on and notification bell. So as soon as a new episode drops, which happens every single day of the preseason, you'll get notified straight away. In literally 30 seconds, I've got a clue for you about who kicks off the top 10 of the 50 most relevant but if you would do love what you've got from the coaches panel this preseason or seasons prior we'd love you to join our patreon supporter group much like dr Supercoach, it's the support of the community that allows us to keep doing what we're doing and we're so grateful for every single person that's part of our patreon supporter group there are different tiers and a ton of rewards hidden group access extra articles extra podcasts and even a couple of exclusive keeper league and single season draft leagues you can get involved with a ton of other stuff our rookie guides not too far away draft rankings the works all the details for our patreon you can find the description of this episode so we are here my friends we're into the top 10 
players that I think are the most relevant players for this coming fantasy football and super coach season. Are there any surprises in the top 10? Politely, you shouldn't get shocked by any of the names. You might be surprised that I've put them in the 10, but you shouldn't be going, huh, where's Rory Sloan? He's on the podcast intro, but that's where he stays as far as the 50 most relevant now. So let me help you with a little bit of a clue. There's only a couple of defenders left. There's one that is arguably in many people's eyes, the breakout must have, that is already right on the ledge of premium status and has a role that means he's heading towards it. Is he who's tomorrow? There's one who's already the number one defender in many people's eyes. They're concerned about a few things early, but they're locking him in. And then there's another one that's just value that you can't ignore. His injury history, you'd like to, but the value you can't ignore. I'm coming into the back line next year to talk about one of those three players. But who have I got at 10? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. 